Hey everybody, welcome to the Higher Points, and today we have uh, Cheryl Cumberg on for our uh, podcast. I met Cheryl, um, we are on the board of um, the Kansas Cannabis Coalition together, uh, met her there. Um, she's a longtime nurse, um, she is now a cannabis, or retired nurse, and she's a cannabis nurse, and she is very passionate about educating in the cannabis world um, and uh, advocating for... Uh, medical cannabis in the state of Kansas, and uh, we just wanted to have her on and have her share her thoughts and opinions about um, the way things are in the state of Kansas, and uh, hear some of her uh, expertise on uh, cannabis and the way it works in the human body and that kind of thing. So um, we appreciate you coming on, Cheryl. Thank you. Glad to be here. And with that being said, she did want to make it very plain to everybody that's listening that um, these are wholly her opinions on cannabis and, and the, the market and the spectrum and everything that we're going to be talking and discussing about and are, are not necessarily the views of the Cannabis Coalition. So um, just wanted to kind of set that out. So is that that's fair? Is yes, good, good thank to you. Go? Yeah, All right. Perfect. So I guess uh, we usually we just start in with kind of just tell us a little bit about you and maybe how you came into uh, nursing and then the cannabis nurse and like kind of what was your what's your story there? Well, I grew up, I have a background that is, I lived a lot of places when I was younger. So I have been everywhere from the hills and hollers in Arkansas to, I was born in Northern California, grew up my high school years and stuff in Southern California. And um, back in the olden days, <laughs> the seventies and, you know, <laughs> we, had, there were, Cannabis was everywhere, and so that was, you know, nothing strange or new for me, and um, ended up coming back to Kansas when I graduated high school, uh, went to nursing school in Wichita, and then moved, met my husband and moved, to, you know, to a small town. Um, have been there for, well, since the late 70s, and it was a total culture shock to go from L.A. to you know, the small town, but I do, I prefer the small town and got a good job at, you know, the local hospital, enjoyed um, learning. And my, most of my background was critical care and med surge. Um, then about um, probably five, six years ago, um, I had a family member in Oregon, which marijuana's legal there. He had cancer and um, was able to get what he needed. He used marijuana for pain control and all that kind of stuff. And um, then my sister-in-law got cancer and she was in a no tolerance state, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And watching what happened with her versus someone who could go get anything that he needed to help with his disease process and then see her, um, it was, it kind of got me interested into what else could we do? What can we do to help her? And, um, you know, in a non-legal state, you just got to put the plea out, you know, hey, we want to, you know, we need some stuff. We're making medicine at home. And, you know, you put the word out and it shows up. Um, but it was very hard because you can't just uh, make, you just can't make your medicine at home. Everything has to be secret. You know, I asked the question, hey, where'd, where'd this come from? And was told in a very loving way, you don't need to know anything. 
you know. <laughs> the less you know, the better off yeah. you are, which mm-hmm. was, okay, I could accept that. But um, the more I learned, I was just so fascinated because I really didn't know the science of it. And um, when I see things three times, I know I'm supposed to pay attention. And I kept seeing an advertisement for this um, cannabis um I guess it was like, it was a big seminar and it was in Denver. And after the third time I saw it, I thought, I'm supposed to go to this. You know, I, they had, were talking about stuff I really had an interest in. Told my husband, hey, I'm going to go to Denver and, and do this. Hopped in the truck and off I went. I was so uneducated at that point. Ralph Machulam was speaking and, you know, he's the father of, of marijuana practically. Mm -hmm. He's the one that discovered THC and, I, I had no idea. I talked to um, some physicians that, you know, are very well known nationally. I didn't know who they were. We just were kicking back and, you know, talking about stuff. Yeah, and like was, today you're almost star, starstruck meeting those people. But back then it's just like, who are these people? Yeah, it was it was great. And probably the the most informative woman I, I ran up against was a nun mm-hmm. who um, had used cannabis for years. And, you know, she gave me a book to read while I was there to in the evenings when I was bored because I was all by myself. And um, I I learned so much. There was a guy that was walking around and he had pink tennis shoes on. So I knew that somebody in his family had breast cancer. Turned out he was an ex-football player and had a, a pretty good career until he blew his knee out. And he put his x-rays up there and it, I mean, it was a devastating injury, and I was surprised he was walking around. Thank God for joints, right? No kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. But he, uh, he was amazing, and he was one of the speakers. He was. He spoke. Um, there was a woman up there, and she was a triathlon who had fallen off the side of a mountain during one of the competitions um, for the Olympics, and was just broken, just. Her body was just so broken. Was this like 2014-ish or um, 15? 16 or 16. 16 or, no, a 17, I think. 17, okay. And um, then there was another guy who also was a professional athlete. And they all were speaking from the perspective that they had been hooked on opioids and how they got off and how they used marijuana to, and, you know, to maintain their, their lifestyle and, you know, have some normal be normal. Yeah. So um, that was a super eye opener for me. Um, and then after that, I came home and I thought, I, that's where I first heard the word cannabis nurse. I'm like, I want to be a cannabis nurse. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you heard that in Denver. In Denver. Nurse. Okay, I, got it. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going, okay, I'm going to be a cannabis nurse. Came mm-hmm. back to Kansas. And it was like I was on the top of the mountain yelling, hey, is there any more cannabis nurses out there? Crickets were chirping. It was awful because I'm like, no, there's no cannabis nurses here. So then I thought, okay, how am I going to get involved? Because we need, we need access. So I went and um, found Lisa Sublette at Bleeding Kansas, Um, got with her, got my start in with that advocacy group. And things just kind of snowballed from there. Um, went testified several times in Topeka. Was this before like the hemp program was? Yes, right. And then I met through Lisa. I met Kelly Ripple, mm-hmm. and he's of course, you know, big with with the hemp side. And got on um, was kind of one of the founding members for a hemp 
um, organization. And the more I got involved, the more, um, I, I guess I want to say disgusted I was with, with the, the uh, legislative side of it. Um, you know, people would come and testify and they would bring their child who would have a seizure while the parent was talking and testifying. And it, it was just like nobody really cared. They just wanted you to say what you wanted to say and get the heck out of there. So here we were, <clears throat> you know, trying to figure out how we can make an impact, went to legislators' offices, and they would just shake their head and laugh at you behind your back. And, and like what time frame is this when you started this? This has been – this will be my either fifth or sixth – I think sixth year. Okay. So no. so we're talking, you know, late 2000s-ish when you're doing – or, I mean, late like 2019, 18. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so this wasn't like back in the eighties or nineties that you did this. No. So it's fairly, fairly, fairly yes, yeah, right. Okay, so, so it's not like you can't say the science wasn't there on things, right? Oh no, no, we <laughs> and every this is the f- there was already multiple legal states. Yeah, at I was going to say so be, there'd been decriminalization. Oh yeah, across the nation at this point. Right. Okay. And you know, you bring everything we testified about. We brought all of the supporting you know, documentation with it, whether it be links or the the studies we provided. I can't even tell you how much paperwork we provided to the legislators, especially committee members. And some of them got it. Some of them got it later after they had listened to us. And then they had a friend or a family member that used marijuana for um, an illness or something. And they saw, oh, my gosh, that really works. And that kind of changed their minds. And, you know, don't get me wrong. We have some champion legislators. Mm -hmm. We have legislators that if people only knew how good that they were for their districts, they would just, you know, keep them forever. But then we've got those that just – you. I, it's almost like I would they, say there's more good than bad legislators, yes. mm-hmm. but there's just like the top, there's like 5% that is just running everything basically mm-hmm. because of the positions they've been put in. Right. So the leadership is, is where we're really getting hung up at. But, um, you know, a lot has happened. Um, you know, I have family members that have died that could have used it. Um, that was a little hard pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people risk everything to have this, you know, to use it medicinally. And bring it across borders into an illegal state and use it here. I mean, it's <clears throat> they're risking their jobs and every time possibly. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and, and the problem is when you move those drugs across state lines, it now becomes a federal offense. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, you're never going to get a a U.S. attorney, honestly, to pick up a simple marijuana possession charge. But if they were looking to potentially make an example out of you, which in my law enforcement career I have seen a lot of, um, you know, like like the guy that, that shot up the, the place in Heston, the, 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 the lawnmower place that he went yeah. there and he was the active killer. After that, um, we had a, a, a United States attorney pick up a, a felon with a gun case, and that was all it was. Usually you have to have the trifecta. We call it the trifecta at the federal level. You have to have guns, money, and drugs. You have to have all three of those together before they're interested. But because this guy had a protection from abuse order and a gun on him, and that Heston thing had just happened, they were hitting people with PFAs that had guns hard at a federal level because of the times and because they wanted to make an example out of them. So, you know, 
it, it's a federal offense when you move those that marijuana across state lines and you want to talk about you know poten- the potential for life altering circumstances i mean that's that's a problem as well with the the environment yeah and i mean as a nurse i was like okay i w- i want to um touch basis with other cannabis nurses and i joined a national nursing organization and um, met the most amazing people and learned the most amazing things. Um, I had no idea that these professionals, you know, they have their um, PhDs and they have their masters and they're teaching and they're doing all of these things, all cannabis related. Um, the organizations have standards of cares for patients. And it's just like, who knew? You know, what, what was the name of that organization? The American Cannabis Nurses Association. Okay, cool. That's kind of what I think of as East Coast, West Coast is Cannabis Nurses Network. Okay. And both are amazing and offer amazing opportunities for uh, medical professionals to learn um, and to um, foster the the, the um, professionalism of it, you know, because a lot of people, they don't take you seriously, more so in other states, mm-hmm. just not here. Well, so. and, I mean, cannabis... <laughs> Like medical cannabis is coming. It's here in most of the states. Mm-hmm. And it's something like programs like that. And like those resources are going to have to be used in order to get our workforce ready for something like this. Well, and we've we've already talked about it before. The way the, the law is written, and we'll talk about this here in a minute because I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole. But the way the law is written, cannabis is basically tacitly legal already. And I know that may like spin your minds. I know you've heard me say it before. But it's already basically kind of tacitly legal in a way other than the flower product, the f- like, you know, or the, the plant matter. The plant mm-hmm. matter is like really what's just the hang up all together that, you know, just pretty much off limits. But before we get too far down that rabbit hole, we'll put a pin in that one. But I wanted to go back a little bit. So what was your, 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 your teach, your classwork about nursing, right? And, you know, obviously you're not prescribing medication or anything like that. I'm assuming you're administering that based on doctor orders, right? You would if you were in another state. But see, as nurses, we have to be really careful to stay in our lane. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't tell you what to take. Right. We can't administer it legally. Right. Um, there's, as long as we stay in our lane, and it depends, it varies from state to state because some nursing, um, state nurses, um, where you get your license from, mm-hmm. you can't, there's certain things that they allow or they don't allow. And let's just look at Oregon, for instance. Oregon put um, the the registered nurses who wanted to work in the cannabis industry in a really bad position because just recently, will they allow nurses to talk about it with patients? They had, they had like a gag order. So the nurses could work in the cannabis industry. They just really couldn't work with their patients. And so if a patient came and said, hey, what about this? Could they then? Could they then talk about it if the patient was requesting that or, or just not at all? Yeah. In Oregon, no, but you, they can now. Okay, got it. But like in the questions I get are from, I get phone calls or emails or different things and people will say, you know, oh my gosh, um, mom has arthritis so bad and she got some cream at a sister's house in a legal state and of course brought it home and now she's out. What can we do? I cannot tell you what to do. I can tell you, you know, maybe you want to look at something oral and I can give you references where to look that up if um, 
you just cannot um, overstep your bounds, Mm -hmm. but I can educate you on that. Okay, you're 60 years old and you want to use something orally now to go with your cream because the cream just really wasn't getting your knee pain gone. Okay, well, I would might give you some suggestions. You can try this, this. I'm going to tell you to keep a diary. And I can tell you that if you get it from another state and you bring it across the borders, that's a federal offense. So you need to be cognizant of that. Yeah. And you need to know if you're shipping it to yourself, that's also, if you get caught, it's a federal offense. Yeah. You know, and you're certainly not going to use the post office to do it. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they definitely know what's in those packages. They know where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, trying to decide whether I should talk about this or not. Why let's not? just let's just say from a law enforcement perspective they have the data to know what's in your package. Let's just say that. I'll, I'll go there. It, you know, it it's just so ridiculous that you know, we have people in Kansas that are, you know, they have to worry about how they're getting at home. That I can't even tell you how many people since Oklahoma legalized in my area. They just go down to Oklahoma. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's like no, right. it's just an everyday thing. It's as common as borrowing a cup of sugar from your neighbor. You know, if I ran out of something or my neighbor ran out of something, you just have another friend go, "Hey, you know, yeah, I need to borrow something mm-hmm. till I can go somewhere and get my own." It's like it's like asking for a cup of sugar these it days. Is. Like it's going to the neighbor's house and asking for a cup of sugar is what it is these it, days. It is, and that's another thing. I don't know what some of these legislators. It's like they don't. Okay, it's against the law, so nobody's going to use it. And it's like everybody has it. Everybody's using it. So let's recapture some of this money that's going across the state lines, and let's bring it back into Kansas, and let's stop ruining people's lives. You know, I know a lot of professionals that that use cannabis, and I guarantee you a lawyer and a nurse go to Colorado to hang out with their friends. When they come back, their mom said, hey, I'm out of cream. Mom's 80-some years old, and she really can't get through the winter without her her THC cream. Well, they're darn sure going to bring it back. I mean, they're not going to tell mom, oh, no, that's against the law. We can't bring it. They're going to bring it because they want mom to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. They're risking a lot. Oh, for sure. They're risking a lot. And it's just, to me, it's so unfair to ask people <laughs> to take that risk on um, and then prosecute them. Because mom wanted to be more comfortable. It's just, to me, it's just crazy. Or even or even prosecute mom for the possession even. You know, because that, that literally is a, a, the potential ramification as well. Um, but so, so you never had, through your, your nursing degree, you never had any talks about cannabis in any shape or form. Other than maybe bad, don't do, illegal, like off the table, like not even a part of instruction kind of thing. Right. Yeah. No, Don't I had. Do it. You're going to get drug tested. You're going to get fired. Yeah. Basically, yeah, is right. probably most. Is what you knew costs. about cannabis. Yeah. It's like don't come to work drunk. <laughs> 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 Don't come to work high. But uh, yeah, it's in nursing school. We didn't know anything. I had no clue what the endocannabinoid system was. Yeah. You know, it's the master system. Most people don't. Right. That it just exists naturally. Yeah. In and, your brain. Like God gave that to you. <laughs> yeah. And isn't that, I mean, wh- our maker was wonderful because, you know, we we were made to use cannabis. Our body makes some of the same cannabinoids um, naturally. And the theories are that 
we get sick because we are deficient in our endocannabinoid system. And mm. if you boost that, that you can recover and you can have better health. Interesting. So it's almost like supplementation of like, say, when you're low on magnesium, mm-hmm. you know, that can affect your heart health, that can mm-hmm. affect your sleep. I mean, so it's basically just, you know, you're looking at it more of like a, a supplementation side of things than you are, you know, like a, a illicit drug. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Is there any way to like test right now? To see where you're at, like on some of those cannabinoids in your system? Yeah. No, there's so much study that needs to be done. Yeah. I mean, but we know that um, people who um, boost their endocannabinoid system, um, they do better. They're healthier. They can recover from a lot of things that, especially um, neurological things. Um, I got very angry early on when I learned that the United States had a patent on CBD many, many years ago, and well, 2003. And they knew then that people who had strokes could benefit from CBD, that they had all of these disease processes that they knew that it helped, yet that was all buried. And so um, also found out that we have been supporting research in Israel for over 50 years. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. I don't think people know that. No. Yeah. But, but you talk to the uh, politicians like, we don't have any research. Yeah, oh, you do. It, yeah. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> but but it wasn't from our scientists, so we need to redo it. Yeah. And that's the other thing that's very frustrating. You know, um, we... <laughs> oh, and, and our studies are so far behind the curve because our studies were dosed at 4% THC. And now, and now you have stuff that's coming out that's significantly higher and that's like comparing, I've said on the podcast many times, um, that's like comparing having someone drink a can of beer and then studying them versus now drink this fifth of Jack Daniels and I'm going to study you <laughs> and see the different. You're, and you're expecting to see, you know, either the same or, you know, you're going to see different, you know, I mean, it's, it's 4% THC is nothing compared to what's out there now. And especially oh, yeah. when it's, and it's, and I'm not saying from the impairing side of things, I'm saying from the benefit side of things. Mm-hmm. And there, a lot of the research is supporting um, that we don't need as much THC as the, you know for for health. You don't need as much THC as a lot of people are using. Agreed. And even CBD, they're saying you know we can use lower doses. And there's a lot of studies going on right now um, that are looking at that. Well, you're finding that in all kinds of things like psilocybin, other things mm-hmm. like that that are natural, peyote, et cetera. People are finding the the actual true health benefits, um, which is why for me personally, and y'all can feel free to disagree with me here, I love the medical side of things where people can make informed decisions through their medical professional. Not so much a fan of recreational. Not that I'm saying I'm wholly opposed to it, but you know, people I just feel are, like the recreational side, it's just all going to be lumped together like alcohol kind of is yeah. versus like the medical like there needs to be two separate entities that run those yeah or but, just let the free market but roll the, but. but the micro dosing of things like psilocybin um, peyote the science is and i know this comes weird coming from a cop right i'm supposed to like hate those things and arrest all the bad people but the science literally says that those micro doses and then the people that are experiencing that and then telling their testimonies are like, I am getting massive health benefits from this. Now, like you were saying, Cheryl, the downside is the people that are abusing THC is THC is psychoactive, bonds to the CB1 and CB2 receptors, which then now creates dependence. 
So then when you don't have it, it's actually increasing anxiety, increasing depression, increasing those things when you don't get it and it's actually making it worse. So like you were saying, the, the, the high dose THC is actually making it worse. Whereas the non-psychoactive compounds like CBD, CBG, CBN, you know, all of those non-psychoactive substances are the ones that are boosting that endocannabinoid system because they don't bond with those psycho psychoactive receptors. There's thought that the addiction, um, prob it's different than it would be from like a addicted to a pharmaceutical. Yeah. Um, there definitely is that risk and there are people who should not use cannabis. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that you know, it's it's really hard when you're talking to people who have true cannabis use disorder um, that they 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 don't want to stop. But yet it they're so sick. And it's like when you tell them, I had to tell that to somebody the other day. They were asking me and it was an older guy. Um, he says, man, I just can't quit using it. You know, what could I do to help titrate, this titrate the dose a little and, bit? And I was like. You can't, you know, for all the studies I've ever seen is you just have to stop using it. Well, he wasn't willing to do that. So, okay, well, you know. Basically kind of reset the system, decompress from it for a little bit. Can you thing. switch no, to you like can't. a CBD and still kind of wean yourself off? I don't, I, I'm not sure on that, but I know that the people who have that true, it's like you're allergic to it almost. You mm -hmm. just cannot tolerate it. Oh, okay. And so, you know, if you can, some people can tolerate smaller amounts. Apparently this guy could, but he wanted, you know, he wanted more than his body was willing to handle. And so he was, he just wanted to know if I knew a trick or something that, you know, where you could just not be sick and use whatever oh, yeah. you wanted to use. And it was like, no, the only thing I know is abstinence. And <laughs> that's that. almost, that's <laughs> almost like getting pills from your doctor. Oh, hey, it has this side effect. So I'm going to give you this pill to combat that side effect, which now has this side effect. So I'm going to give you this pill, you know? So it's almost like that same thing with the pharmaceutical journey all over again. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that use, I mean, they are off their pharmaceuticals and they just use um, cannabis Yeah, and they're, healthier than they have ever been in their life they feel better and there's no dependence on the pharmaceuticals and you can those people are you know the best band leaders ever because they you know they're standing up and going look you know to be brave enough to say hey number one i'm using it all the time and you know look at me i'm back at work i i'm living a normal life we had yeah. a conversation with someone yesterday um <laughs> at the farmer's market and it was her husband, but he was like dependent on pharmaceutical painkillers mm -hmm. and he couldn't do ingestible CBD products because of the drug testing to get oh, said yeah. painkillers. Um, so he was too scared to try the CBD products that they weren't going to work, you know. Um, so like he was only using topicals and it was like kind of working. You know, and I've, I've heard that case over and over again. They're too scared from their, to get off their painkillers to try, uh, cannabis products. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just a, how do you flip that switch? You know, I think it's until we're legal where people can wean from one to the other and mm -hmm. not have to worry. Um, you know, we still don't see a lot of people. Um, I live for the day when I don't get a phone call. Hey, mom's friends brought her this. These little brownies from Colorado to help her sleep because mom's not sleeping. And she ate one. 
And 15 minutes later, she ate another one because she didn't feel anything. <laughs> and then she had another one. So now she's had 30 milligrams because these were 10 each, yeah. a whole brownie. Yep. And mom's banging off the walls. What are we going to do? Yeah, that's why I'm saying I love the informed, like, you know, through your medical professional, it's going to tell you that. Like, people need to read the directions on mm-hmm. those. The cook, Some of those cookies will say cut into 12 pieces or whatever that is, you know, eat that, wait 45 minutes, see how you're feeling. You know, but instead, they're just eating the whole cookie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you got people who are literally going into, like, there have been documented cases of people going into, like, certain psychoses mm-hmm. because, and, like, thinking they can stop a train and, you know, getting run over by a train. I mean, there, there has to be this information because there's been such disinformation around it for so long. People don't know what they don't understand. Yeah. So. It's, I think education is going to be a huge piece of the puzzle here because especially people, and I'm just using my age group, you know, you can't afford to be get to take too much THC and then get dizzy and fall down, break your hip. Or face plant on the sidewalk or whatever. You know, just have to have a little common sense. Or operate a motor vehicle. Yes, don't. Yeah, no, no. (laughs) That's that's what I have great disdain for is impairment on any substance. That that I enforce quite ferociously. I mean, yeah, and you can be. I'm with you. You can be prescribed painkillers. And And do um, the same thing. Yeah. Yes. But the thing I don't think people understand about the painkillers is, so Dilaudid, which is actually what they call essentially on the like that's it has a name for being like drugstore heroin. It's dicetyl morphine. It's very similar to street heroin. But the thing that's interesting is is that substance when it gets into your body has to be metabolized from that dicetyl morphine. Your body has to like start to metabolize it into something else before you can use it. Whereas like we were talking about the endocannabinoid system, your body has that naturally in your system. When you use those cannabinoids, the body is ready, available, has the receptors. I know what to do with it. I know where to put it. I know how to use it. No metabolization has to occur for it to use it. Now, it will metabolize into other things to eventually be excreted through, you know, urine or other things. But, you know, people see the the pharmaceuticals as, you know, because it's the legal option that's been quote-unquote studied and all these things as kind of the the de facto way of doing things, but it's like if you really understood what's going on with the pharmacodynamics and the pharmacokinetics, then you would completely change your thought process on cannabis and like what it brings to the table, I feel. Another thing on that is like all that stuff you're talking about, the pharmaceutical side, it's all paid for by insurance. You know, like when you're in the hospital, everything is paid for by insurance for the most part. Whereas I don't know of any insurance that covers cannabis stuff at this point. No, I, you know, I would say it's being worked on in states like Colorado and Oregon and that kind of thing. But I just, I would be surprised if there's anything out there that covers a cannabis product, even if it is medical. Yeah. There's something this year also that came out, um, the American Nursing Association, which represents over 5 million nurses across the nation, came out with um, the, the statement that they are going to recognize cannabis nurses as a specialty nursing practice. Soon we will be able to take a test and say, hey, I'm a certified cannabis nurse, just as I could say I'm a certified intensive care nurse or, you know, or a, a chemo nurse or whatever. So that is huge. You know, yeah. they can't, they, we can't use that argument 
well, you know, it's illegal and, and, you know, it's just, we just don't know. Yeah. We just don't know enough. And because now this organization and others have stepped up and said, Hey, so essentially national accreditation at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It will be national accreditation for nurses. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, that to me was amazing. Yeah. I agree. So that's, I hope we can use that argument. That's a big step forward. Yeah, it is. I think, um, Gosh, I had another thought. The thought's gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, so just flew out of my head. So, um, so like I guess you know we've talked about uh, you know kind of how you came to it, your your lack of any training on it when you first started, um, and then moving into cancer in a family, you know, which I think is where a lot of people have started to become aware is illness and family, and we've tried the pharmaceutical routes and they didn't work um, to. You know, you finding, you know, cannabis nursing and we've talked about like how it works in the system and all of this other kind of stuff. But there's there's still still some pretty intense and heavy roadblocks that you're working through. So what's what's the political environment like in Kansas right now as far as like what you're running up against or or what needs to maybe be done by the people that are listening to this podcast that want to see that, want to see that availability for their family to get, and and I'll say this here as I sit and keep in mind, this is my opinion. This does not represent the law enforcement agency I work for, but it is medicine. If it's used right and it's informed, it is medicine. So what what are you, people that want this medicine to be available to family members to be able to get this, like what do they need to do? And then what's the political spectrum? Like how do they help fight against this? These people are supposed to be representing us. Right. They've forgotten who they work for, some of them, mm-hmm. and they need a big reminder. So the best way to help <laughs> is to contact your legislator. Um, it's real easy to find out who that is if you don't know. You can go to openstates.org. I believe they just changed their name, though. It, but if you if you go to openstate.org, it will take you to a link where you can look it up. And You, you can simply, type in your address, yes. and then it takes you – it shows you – your state rep, your federal rep, all mm-hmm. your senators, everything. And you can get their email addresses. But um, if you're brave enough, a phone call is the best. Um, you might end up just talking to the secretary, but they do write all that stuff down. Um, then you need to contact them and tell them you expect them to pass a bill, not will you pass a bill or what do you think? It's like, I'm your constituent. I expect you to pass a bill this year. And if you don't, I'll reflect that the next time you're up for election. Yeah. That's easily, easily done. I mean, Nate and I, we, we were at Andover and Ty Masterson. Well, he's the one really, I think, responsible for not letting the last bill get through that. We got through the House. It got it got through the House. Well, um, was there really good support for it? Or was it like a narrow margin? I can't remember. Okay. But I think it was a... It wasn't a like a landslide or anything, but I was very. Um, There's people who voted for it that we didn't expect. I think. It, yeah. In the house. Yeah, and it, it there again though we won them over with education. Mm-hmm. You know the ones that were really on the fence and the ones that would listen. You know because there's some people that don't want to be educated. Exactly, they have their own um, personal agenda. I believe my opinion, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that just. They don't care about their, what their constituents think. And so now we're, um, we get stonewalled. But when we went to Andover, for, we walked in the parade, held the sign, the, our, our big 
coalition sign. And we got standing ovations and clapping and yelling for us. But probably the most interesting thing for me was when we had the table mm-hmm. and the senior citizens that stopped in their little carts or whatever they were, you know, riding or um, hobbling around. And they really had no idea who Time Masterson was. No. And they they voted their ticket. But you know that they were they were voting for him because they were Republicans. Mm-hmm. Right. You just vote your ticket. Mm-hmm. And that kind of stuff, we, we just really need to get that out there that um, if you want it, you need to ask him what his, you know, is he for it or against it? And if he's against it, you need to tell him it's very important to you. He constantly says that it's not, it's a non-issue. And every single person that stopped at our table was concerned about it. They want it. They're using it anyway. Yeah. So. Tax dollars are just going to somewhere else. Yeah. A lot. You know, that's, that's something. And if someone can figure it out for us, you know, like if we could figure out the number of tax dollars that leave Kansas to Colorado, Oklahoma, um, Missouri, uh, or the like, the amount of like medical licenses that these other states have from Kansans, uh, that would be some numbers that would probably open some eyes for some legislators in, in the state level. So right, and see, the personal side of it doesn't seem to affect too many of them. It comes down, you know, just to that almighty dollar, of course. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, Ty Masterson and Don or Dan Hawkins, they were on this Prosperity Express tour. And Ty is the Senate majority. Pre- president. He's the president. He's a, yeah. And then Dan is the House. House side. Yes. Right. And they called it their Prosperity um, Express tour. And we had a gal that's a friend of, she's very outspoken about um, wanting cannabis passed. Her name is Olivia Hayes. And she was actually, so we had Seth Cordell on. And he ran for governor, and she was the in charge of running Seth's campaign. Right. She's a director, I believe, with the Libertarian, Libertarian Party. Party. Yep. Yeah. So they were talking about how Kansans can be prosperous, and she asked um, Ty, she said, since we all want to be prosperous, how does keeping Kansas out of a potentially billion-dollar business play into making us prosperous? And this is the part that just really... This was at a community forum, wasn't it? Like, yes. So she got the mic and she asked this to him while he's standing up on stage in front of a bunch of people. What a phenomenal question. <laughs> yeah. She, oh, I love this gal. Um, you know, first of all, Ty starts out with a little lecture on uh, we need to be able to discuss difficult topics. Okay. Way to, way to answer the question there, Ty. Good job, buddy. Yeah. And then after that, he goes right into Oklahoma's problems. With with um, with their cannabis problems, it wasn't really relevant relevant to Kansas. Uh, then he talked about what is medicine. You know, is medical cannabis really a medicine? Well, yeah, it was mm-hmm. because starting around 1850, it was on the United States Pharmacopeia was prescribed for a hundred illnesses up until you know they it was uh, prohibited. So doctors prescribed it, pharmaceutical companies grew it, made it. It was in everybody's cabinets, you know, medicine cabinets or wherever they kept their medicines at. Everybody knew it, but it was called cannabis oil, right? Mm -hmm. So it was medicine. You can't deny that it wasn't medicine. I don't know why he always goes to this argument. But then uh, he started making more nonsensical points about, uh, yeah, I'm just going to go get me some 
some uh, cannabis and relieve my anxiety. He, that's almost that probably that probably make you a better uh, representative there, Mr. <laughs> Masterson. So good, good, good point. Yeah, I mean we, it's it's supported with data and studies that it does really it can relieve anxiety. Yeah. So you know what's the point? Um, then he went into a little spiel about well, how Oklahoma had voted down recreational. That is has nothing to do with a medical program, but. You know, it's just not he's, what he's no stranger to political messaging. Yeah, he's just that's exactly what he's doing. Trying to yeah. deflect as much yes, as he can. Yes, exactly. And then he talked about the overgrowth, uh, the supply overgrowth in Oklahoma, and and that make. It, then he said, "Well, you know, they have so much cannabis in their state that um, they could medical patients couldn't smoke at all." He only talks about smoking, and, and that's and that's a problem. How like. <laughs> It creates a problem for Kansas, he said. Um, so then he gave a reference again. That's because it's coming through to Kansas in the black market. That's that's oh, his biggest issue. Okay. With it. Yeah. Well, you can just go to the dispensaries down there. And I think they've tightened that up though. Since well, Colorado has, is just walk in buy. And Missouri, like, Missouri is too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so you know, and then he he did give a little story about um, some family member that had cancer and. He thought it might have been helpful maybe for their their pain relief, but he really needs to know more about it. Um, then he went right up into saying um, that advocates who show up to advocate for medical marijuana don't really look like we want medical marijuana. It looks more like we want recreational. <laughs> Tell me how I can dress any what do More I have professional to? And, yeah. How? Yeah. How? What do I have to do to look like I want medical, and and not, you know, not recreational? So we got to quit wearing our tie-dyed shirts to the Capitol. Oh, never. Headbands. I know. Never. <laughs> you know, Olivia did make the point that uh, keeping the cannabis industry out of Kansas seemed to be counterintuitive for allowing prosperity to happen in Kansas. Um, then Ty made some more comments as to, you know, where would the money come from to the state for, to support the cannabis program? And we're going to have all of these problems that we're going to have to take care of. You know, um, he said, basically, what we're talking about right here is recreational light. They weren't, Olivia's question was not about recreational mm -hmm. light. I don't know where they came up with this term, but they use it. A lot of those legislators that don't want it, they use this recreational light. Well, I think it's interesting. Sorry to interrupt you there. Mm -hmm. But what just keyed in my mind there is when he's talking about, well, we have all these problems, quote unquote, you know, Mr. Masterson's looking at it through the wrong light um, because he's a politician and he wants to somehow profit from it. That's just my opinion. Um, and the, where, where the way that he should be looking at it is we have an exceptionally unique opportunity. When Colorado was the first to decriminalize, they learned a lot of lessons about packaging, about Okay, kids are finding gummy bears and eating this whole package of gummy bears. And there's actually a documented case. I read the science study that they actually cited cannabis for the cause of death because this kid went in, uh, had myocarditis, ended up having extremely tachycardic, heart gave out, and they actually cited cannabis as the cause of death in the study. I, I know that. I'm pretty sure I'm thinking of the same story. And they went back and recanted some of that ah, okay. because that wasn't. I mean, there was underlying. There was an underlying problem that 
I can't remember exactly. I, I don't want to quote it. I did not know about the recant. Sorry there. Yeah. Well, there but, was. But what I'm getting at is, is like, then you had Oregon, now Missouri, now all these places that you can now go talk to those people and say, what do you wish you'd have done mm-hmm. differently? And now you have a tremendous source of information to make sure that we don't do the same here. So here's an idea. Go out and do your job and solve the problems and make some common sense legislation. There's rough. There's almost 40 different states you can go talk to and get information on. And yeah, exactly. Us as the coalition, we went out there and we did some research and we sent that on to them. You know, we all researched a different state and we figured out, okay, what do they do good? What do they do bad? You know, and like we sent that on to legislators and I'm pretty sure it mostly fell on deaf ears. And, and speaking of the legislators, I just looked it up. That cannabis bill passed with a 79 to 42 vote. And so I did the math really quick. That is over over 63% of the House was for cannabis. Which to me, that uh, that hate, Fort Hayes study that just came out um, said two-thirds of Kansans support um, some sort of uh, cannabis bill. Well, and, and the House also reflects that yep. exact same statistic. It's yep. 63.2% or something. That's pretty much two-thirds. Mm-hmm. Pretty close. Yeah. And, you know, but if you don't let it come, if you passes house but you can't you just don't let it it dies in a committee somewhere because you don't want it to be to the floor for a vote i mean i really think that it it could have passed if they had let it come to the floor for yeah, a vote right um so back to what he was saying i apologize for derailing you there. oh no that's fine um you know at the end of his statement to olivia then of course you know dan chimes in with his own little story about what was it? it was uh, Mike Pompeo's son in college told his dad how many kids in college had glaucoma. So they all had to smoke <laughs> marijuana for their eyes. And uh, the this, of course, leads back to their point that people are going to just make stuff up so that they can have marijuana. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you look at the real, to me, if you look at the real picture, okay, we have cannabis. Are there people that are going to lie? Yes. Are there people that are going to get it that just want it for recreation? Yes. But more people are going to be have a legitimate use and and use it as medicine. So just because right now we see it with pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I saw a 32-year-old guy have a heart attack because he had too much afro-nasal spray. He was using four bottles a day. Goodness gracious. Yes, had a heart attack. Um, people will abuse anything. Yeah. That, you know, too much of anything will kill you, even exactly, water. Yes. So let's let's just stop talking about that because we know that people are going to abuse things and we can't do anything to stop that. But we have all of these people that will benefit from it, that they need the chance to have it and use it if they choose to or not. If you don't like it, don't use it. And if you're a person that has mental health issues or something, you probably shouldn't use it. But that's for a physician to determine, yeah. you know? Well, and I think that, you know, we, we as a society look at it through the wrong light. Like, for instance, if I have a headache, I can readily go choose any over-the-counter, you know, Tylenol, naproxen, you know, acetaminophen, naproxen, ibuprofen, whatever it is. For me, I find that for headaches, ibuprofen doesn't work well personally. Tyl- acetaminophen for me works well. So that's what I choose. So... I think people should be given, you know, you're looking at it through the light of this is what's working for those people. And the nice thing about cannabinoids is, can it be help for pain? Yes. 
Can it help for anxiety? Yes. Can it help with seizures? Yes. So it has this like plethora of things that it can help and it can treat. Whereas like ibuprofen, Tylenol, whatever that, like it's like that one thing is like pain relief essentially. Like does it have other things? Sure. Um, that it does, but you know, giving people those options of the choice to choose, um, can you abuse acetaminophen? Yeah. There are people that like, they'll pop like six, eight, 10, 12, like ibuprofens a day, which is awful for you. <laughs> you can abuse that too. So like you're saying, it's, it's a mute moot point. And the political messaging there is smoke, 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 because that has a negative connotation, even back to tobacco. Like you're, you're now politically messaging into people's subconscious mind to even to tobacco as well. And also the, you know, here's the, the old school Reagan era. Here's your brain. Here's your brain on drugs. And then they put like, you know, a joint there. And so you're, you're leveraging that subconscious political messaging. And I love that you brought that speech in here and you're dissecting it because that's one thing I love doing here is like with our legislature, our Congress, we had a, a one on here on the, the January 6th thing that we broke down Chuck Schumer's political messaging. Like when he says our democracy is a threat, well, we're actually not a democracy. We're a constitutional Republic. You know, the messaging is very important and I love that you're breaking that down and like informing people on what the truth really is. That's great. Yeah, I just think that we have got to um, put pressure on the people that need the pressure put on. But, you know, we have another legislator that is the bill will be heard probably in the um, Fed and State Committee again. Um, Which is it's been there the last two years, pretty much. Right. And now they changed um, the committee chair and the head of the committee chair is very against cannabis. So, you think that was done on purpose? In your, in your opinion? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 That was a the committee chair that was there. Um, That's what Ty does is he can appoint who's the committee chairs, like the heads of these committees. Gotcha. So there's some political favors being done there too. Mm-hmm. You do this for me, I'll do this for you. Something. But, I mean, the thing with the this Fed and state affairs is like it's not just – they're not just talking about medical marijuana. There's a lot of other yeah, things going right, on. Oh, right. yeah. So. For sure. Yeah, and you know they brought in um, this. This just blows me away. This head of the committee is Mike Thompson, and he just brought in people. He called it a. Um, He's it, the Shawnee it, uh, Mission kind of des- representative of that mm-hmm. area. Yeah, and and he is. Um, he he's just a. I'm sorry, personal opinion. He's a mess. Um, he had people come in to testify to the committee. But they were all um, basically against cannabis. So the whole day was filled with all of this crazy testimony. Um, they brought up, he likes this Brian Serber. He was uh, Oklahoma Bureau of, Nar- of Narcotics. I don't know that that's what he does now. I tried to look him up. But anyway, um, he had a stage and he just gave the best little dog and pony show you ever saw in your whole life. And it was all about the problems that Oklahoma had. Two years ago, I think it was two years ago, we had the uh, head of the Oklahoma uh, medical marijuana um, program. She came to Kansas and she did give testimony and she said, hey, we have problems and this this is why. You know, we didn't oversee the program. And of course, things got terribly out of control. They had a huge mess with all of the human trafficking and the, the foreign people um, growing and bringing people from their country into work and, you know, all of that. But that had nothing to do with 
a medical cannabis program that Kansas might implement. Yeah, and again, phenomenal. Thank you for that piece of information. We now know what to legislate to fix They're beating so that a we dead horse. don't have that problem. Talking about Oklahoma over and over. Yes, we understand they have problems. Let's like learn from them and move yeah, exactly. on. Exactly. Right. And, you know, the other thing is that um, Jeff Easter, I've watched him testify for years, and he doesn't want it. He didn't even want CBD. And that's the sheriff of Sedgwick County. Sedgwick right? County, yeah. yeah. And and I'm sure he's a nice man, but he's just so against anything. The CBD, I get it. I get it from his perspective because they see, you know, all of the awful things that happen. Yeah. But but again, that's people who aren't using it through any type of informed cons- or in any type of consent or or so, sorry information through mm-hmm. a doctor or anything. So you're right. When they're abusing it because they're getting it illicitly, you're going to see that. You know, he said uh, one year, he said on his way out, he said, you know, if there was a THC that was non-impairing, we'd be all for it. Well, what's TCHA? You know, yes, it can be a little impairing, but nothing, you know. How come he didn't know that? I don't, that really blew me away because I thought if you are a plant expert, you should know. That. I, th- I think it's something like of the like don't want to be educated on that subject mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's almost the way I read that. Until I became a DRE, I didn't a drug recognition expert. Uh-huh. I didn't know anything about the other minor cannabinoids. None of it. I knew about delta nine THC, delta nine THC bad. Mm-hmm. That's what I knew. Right. That was it. And you know, then this last session. He stood up there and he said, I told you that, you know, CBD was bad. You know, he said, and then he talked about two friends that took, ate some gummies. They were somewhere. Did you hear that testimony, Nate? I didn't hear the testimony. I've heard people talk about it, though. Right. Okay. So he's, you know, <laughs> his friends eat the gummies. I'm sure it had Delta 8 in it. Mm-hmm. They get all messed up. Okay. Stop the conversation right there. Why did they not know what they were putting in their bodies? Number one, they had too much, obviously. Number two, if you're a responsible consumer, you need to know what you're putting in your body. So, and he's saying CBD's bad mm-hmm. when it was a Delta Eight gummy. So that's like comparing apples to oranges. Yeah, I don't know that that's what was in. It. That was my best guess. Yeah, well, yeah, but, CBD is not impairing. But then they couldn't drive, you know, and it was this big deal. Well, you know, he tried to point his finger like, "Okay, I told you this was going to happen." Well, no. You know, <laughs> well, if you go take a spoonful of our distillate and you eat that, like it's going to mess you up. You won't want to drive after that. But I mean, it takes a lot. I mean, that's 10,000 milligrams. Yeah, of, I was going to say, know. when we, again, you're comparing apples to oranges as yeah. far as like mm-hmm. what it does inside of that mm-hmm. endocannabinoid system in, in certain concentration levels. Yep. Your distillate is not what... The, the, the amount that's in your distillate is not the same that's amount that's in your tincture. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you were taking a spoonful, how many milligrams you said you think roughly that is? Uh, 10,000. I don't know. I mean, maybe <laughs> a more. A significant <laughs> amount. Yeah. I mean, the amount that goes in a 5,000 milligram tincture is not very much. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's like less than a teaspoon yeah, exactly. <laughs> by a long shot. Exactly. I, don't, I guess I don't understand. The only thing that any of them that are against it, the legislators, the only – cannabinoid they talk about is THC. Mm-hmm. That is, okay, yeah, that's granted. That's a large part of it. But the most important thing are the terpenes. I mean, we, you put them all together and that's how the plant yeah, works. Right. But they do, they, ca- they cannot understand. The only thing they know is THC. Everybody had something terrible, some horrible story, some mother, 
you know, had this big spiel about, um, you know, it's so dangerous for the children. And, you know, it is a re- if you're using cannabis, you have to be a responsible parent. We know there are re- people out there that are not responsible parents. Yeah. But, you know, I, I've used the, the story, okay, are you going to leave your fifth of vodka and your, your opiates on the table right over here where your little toddler can get them? No, you're not. You're gonna, let's, you- let's even put that into phrasing of, like, things that are commonly available. Are you going to leave your bottle of aspirin? That if your kid thinks is candy and takes enough of them, mm-hmm. can kill them, can be harmful to them. But that is publicly, consumably available by anyone. So, again, we're talking about moot points here. You know, we're, we're trying to demonize something when it's, – it's like, it's like the whole gun issue. You try to make guns the problem. The people that are wielding the guns are the problem. Cannabis is not the problem. The people – you know, that aren't educated are the problem. You know, and you always hear this, oh, they had marijuana in their system. Okay, but let's look at this. How much marijuana did they have in their system? And what else, did they also have meth? Or what else was in their system? Or even alcohol. Alcohol, okay, yeah, commonly what, alcohol, maybe some meth or cocaine, and then they smoke some marijuana. Yeah. Okay, well, what was the cause of whatever the problem, say a a car crash, was it just the marijuana that pushed them over the edge? Because that's what they make it sound like. Mm -hmm. But, or was it the meth that they had just smoked and got right behind the wheel? We don't keep those statistics. You can't find the statistics and they don't break it out. Okay, here was a car crash where someone died and the only drug present was marijuana. And not to mention like they could have smoked a week ago. And still have levels of THC in their system. You right. Know? Because in, in urine, probably yeah. not in blood. Yeah. But you know that metabolites, the, the metabol- presence of metabolites does not equate impairment. Correct. We know that. Correct. So, you know, you'll hear all these statistics. Well, the end result was that these people um, outright lies, some of it. The Johnson County attorney um, spoke, and he was going on one thing that, stuck in my brain was a cannabis caregiver. He said, they're going to be making medical decisions for these people, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that is not what a cannabis caregiver is. But he stood there and went to the committee, and then he went on about how children are going to be harmed by parents that use marijuana. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> you know, They just were putting doubt into the committee's minds, and they put enough doubt in people that were kind of on the fence that they decided to table the bill. So, mm-hmm. okay, the bill got tabled. So that's where we sit today. We're, you know, it's my understanding they can take the bill back up when session goes again. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But it's going to be interesting. It's an important year for cannabis in Kansas. It is. And it's important that, like I said, people contact their legislators. And get involved. Get involved. Come get involved with the coalition. Yeah. <laughs> we can use more hands. Well, and, and like you said, uh, basically saying, I have the expectation, and, and please hear, uh, I'm, I'm going to speak for you here, so if mm-hmm. I get this wrong, let me know. But please hear what she's not saying. She's not saying call and be degrading or denigrating to your representative, but letting them know that like, hey, you know, I am your constituent. You know, I have voted for you. If you want my continued support, here are my expectations. Um, and the, that's that's the way that the framers intended our, our – uh, you know, our government systems to work. You know, we base that on you have a few good people that represent your area and what they want. 
Uh, doesn't necessarily always mean you're going to get what you want, but you let them know that like when when the time comes that I'm making my voting decision, I will keep these things in mind. This is my expectation. So, um, you know, okay, so how, how do people go about maybe contacting you if they have questions? Do you have social media, you know, email, we, anything, anything you want to share like that contact-wise? We are on Facebook, Kansas Cannabis Coalition. We also have a website or webpage, okay. um, Cannabis Coalition. Wait a minute, KansasCannabisCoalition.com. I had to change the name <laughs> <laughs> recently, so yeah. Um, we have information on there. Things we have information where we've been, what we're doing, um, how to contact us. So if we do need volunteers and we need some help with some things like website maintenance and you know just things that we have to do to keep our organization going, um, it's it's a tough it's tough. You know, people everybody's busy. We're all volunteer. We don't. Pay don't make for anything. No, it's just, you know, for the. <laughs> I, I wish God would not have put this on my heart because this is one thing I don't want to be in. Uh, you know, I don't want to be in Topeka. I don't want to have to do all this stuff, but it was put on me for whatever reason that I was led to do certain things. Okay, I'm doing it. You know, can I be done? <laughs> <laughs> Please let this pass. Please let let's pass something. But yeah, it's... even even after a bill is passed, though, there's still going to be work mm-hmm. to do. Oh, yeah. big work, yes. Well, it's the same with any bill. You know, typically there's a lot of tight constraints, but then after that, like the next legislative session, you chip away this piece. The next legislative session, you chip away this piece, or you've learned a lesson, so let's fix this or shore right. this part up, or you yeah. know, whatever it may be. We need to remember equity, and we need to remember that there's a lot of people that deserve to be in this industry, not just certain people. Yeah, not just people with big money. Right. And we need to remember that we are supporting, we want our farmers growing. We want our manufacturing plants, manufacturing products, and not big money from another state that just drops in and, you know, hey, here's my lab, here's, you know, all this other stuff. We want to remember Kansans. We deserve we deserve to be in the industry. Yeah, mm-hmm. I will tell you there there are many farmers out there just like the Hyatt family that take pride in what they do, pride in their product, and they want to give you the very best. And that is ultimately what this common sense legislation, um, I think, is what y'all are maybe wanting. Again, speaking for you, feel free to correct me. But, you know, you just want to see that and see the farmers here benefit, see people here benefit. And... You know, I'll tell you the Hyatt family are some of the like most amazing people that I just love being around. You know, they test their products. They again, their slogan is we know it because we grow it. And that's true from seed to the final product that makes it into your body. They know all about it. They make sure not to put heavy metals in it, etc. And so that's ultimately who needs to be supported, who needs to be who's truly interested in your well-being versus the big money who's interested in that profit margin, mm-hmm. you know, or that if it ever becomes publicly tradable, that stock point at yeah. that point. Because that's ultimately what we're seeing is the bane of most of our existences in general is that, you know, the the stock and the money and, and I get it, money makes the world go round. I need it to, to mm-hmm. function as well. But it's it's kind of clouding things to the point that it's it's not about what's what's right or what's good and and ultimately you know utilitarianism is what we should have in our mind yeah uh, when when we make decisions so it's kind of crazy there was a a 
there's a big case in Missouri right now, and this is not cannabis related. It's actually real estate. And so like Keller Williams and some other big real estate companies have been like keeping their real estate like percentages higher, even though like them. And then there was a big uh, um, like agency that they're working together to keep their profit margins higher when they don't necessarily need to be. And so like the 6% commission that they've been getting, they've been had it set. It's supposed to be tied to some sort of matrix or something. And they've been keeping that high on purpose to make more money. And the state of Missouri is suing them now. And like, there's a big court case that's coming and the whole real estate game is going to change because of it. And that's just like a big overstep that I see in our government in general right now. And I, it's just kind of similar to what we're seeing in the cannabis market right now, too. Yeah, I'm hoping that whatever bill comes forward, that it is, they remember that we need lower licensing fees. We need to remember that the end product cannot be so expensive that patients aren't going to be able to purchase it. Yeah, yeah. because it's not going to be something insured, at least for a while. Insurance will not pay for those products for a while. No. And, you know, you can't pr- – well, what will happen is – They'll just go to another state and and get it, and so then we're going to so you be, shot yourself in the foot all over again. Yeah, or they're going to c- continue buying it from the drug dealer down the street off the black market. You right. Know? Yeah, and you know we want people to have clean, safe, tested mm-hmm. stuff. We don't we don't want them to have to continue to take a chance. You know, it's very dangerous. It is. Yeah. So we want them to have good product at a reasonable price. And yeah. informed, you informed. know. Informed. Let's do some education. Please don't drive high. Please. I beg you. <laughs> it does not make you a better, safer driver. <laughs> okay. The statistics show that. It doesn't make you drive slower. It actually, yeah. <laughs> it actually it, the number one reason for stop in Colorado, when I went to the DRE conference in Colorado, the number one reason for stop for marijuana only, marijuana only impaired drivers, no other substance in the system was speeding. That was the main reason for stop for impaired drivers. And so it does not make you drive slower. It does not make you drive safer. It is impairing. It it, 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 it impairs you. That's all there is to it. Please don't. I, I am not for that at all. I'm cool with you, you know, using your medicine the way it's intended. Please don't operate a motor vehicle while impaired. Not just on marijuana, but anything your doctor gives you that impairs you. You know, to jump back to microdosing, I mean, that has been proven to really for some people, just that little tiny bit, it's not impairing because, you know, well, number one, their tolerance is up, but a little bit all along the day, they feel better. Um, you can't, the, the legislators don't understand about that. They just don't understand how it works. I had a chance to talk to the governor briefly um, with another group and she was saying, oh yeah, they came up with this plan where they were going to put the marijuana in pills and then you could only have so many pills a day. And I, I've never been good with a poker face, and I must have looked totally horrified. And she said, well, what's wrong with that? And I, <laughs> I said, no. I said, that's not the way it works. Why would – who would even think that that would be possible? They always equate it back to a pharmaceutical. They always talk about, well, it has to be a certain dose. And it's like, no, we're individuals, you know. I think there's a group out there that has a patent on that THC pill. Oh, well. I think. I, I've heard that from another source. Yeah, I. It, it, well, there is a pharmaceutical called Marinol that is patented, mm-hmm. yeah, and so. that's nasty stuff. My dad, they gave that to my dad, and he got, got so sick from it. And that happens to a lot of people. But that was the other solution. They always said, "Oh yeah, we got, we already have what we need." A pharmaceutical. It's like, no, you don't get it. So, 
I can only say that so many times. Like you don't, get, you don't understand. <laughs> yep. There's just a lot of education that needs to be done. Yeah. There is. We're we're doing our best, but we need more help. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that that Marinol they basically just n- renamed it Drenabinol, which is basically THC, um, and then patented it, um, and then then try to use it basically as you know. I think it's usually used in like chemotherapy treatment for like nausea, vomiting, maybe to also induce some hunger. I think yes, but it just doesn't. I mean, it makes pe- it's so strong, but it just makes people really sick. Yeah. It seems like it has a lot of side effects. Um, yeah. Yeah. So is it a synthetic that they've made similar to THC or is it actually? That I don't know. I can't comment there. Hmm. I can't remember. So uh, what about what about anybody that maybe has some, um, like, can, is anybody, any way that people reach out to you directly or is it just basically through the coalition would be the best way to get a hold of you directly? The best way, yeah, just be to okay. email. Yeah. I know in the past I have messaged the coalition on Facebook directly um, mm-hmm. for communication. Is that still monitored? Uh, mm-hmm. By someone to where, like, if someone were to send a Facebook message, because that's probably the easiest. Like, everybody's mm-hmm. got like messenger, Facebook yeah. Messenger on their phone, mm-hmm. and you know, be- easier than an email. I don't have to know exactly what it is, type it right, etc. So, so right. if they had questions, too, they can reach out to the coalition mm-hmm. on Facebook Messenger. They and can then ask questions. Yeah, and reach out and maybe with specific things or anything like that. Sure. Okay. Cool. Well. Anything else that we we left out there? I know you had a lot of notes and things like that. I mean, do you feel like there's anything that you wanted to add or anything else that you feel like we missed that you want to maybe speak on or? I don't think so. I mean, I just, you know, I I just want everybody to, we got to get the grassroots going and we have to remember Western Kansas and let's, you know, let's bring in as many people as we can and just stand up and say, it's enough now. Let's move on. But with a good bill. Yes. Yeah. Even yeah. if you put a dispensary in Hutch or Wichita, you know, there's people are going to have to drive four hours to the closest mm-hmm. dispensary. So yeah. there has to be a bill that makes sense for smaller towns in Western Kansas to be able to have that product there. Yeah. Yeah. Have it available, to, you mm-hmm. know. Hmm. Otherwise, they'll get their I license. I didn't even think and, about that. Yeah. Or they'll get their license and run over to Colorado and get their product. Um, yeah. It's let's keep it. Let's keep our money in Kansas and let's make it available. Yeah. And not make it hard. Because yeah. Uncle Joe out in the middle of nowhere who's got cancer is not going to be able to get in his car and drive four hours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I never even thought of it from that aspect. That makes that's a valid point there. Mm-hmm. And and if they're running over to Colorado to get it, there's nothing that says like on the plant made in Kansas, you know, like you you don't know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the, so there needs to be those common sense ways of where it's easy it's 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 more economically viable for that business owner to do it themselves here. Mm-hmm. So you make it that way so that they'll grow it here. They'll get it from here. They'll source it from here. They'll sell it here, etc. Or <laughs> heaven forbid, let's let people grow a few plants at home. Yeah. Or let a caregiver grow, grow it for them and provide them, you know, with the bud mm-hmm. when it gets done and let them make their own medicine if they want to, yeah. you know. I what are they going to do? I don't know why they think everybody is going to just grow and sell all of the the product. I mean they ha- they can have RFD tags on them. They can have all yeah. this technology to know that, you know, okay, my plant died. Okay, well here it is. It's dead in the pot, you know. It didn't make it. So, I don't we've think people understand that. how hard it is too, Nate. Like, right? Gro- growing that stuff is incredibly easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just you. You well, just like plant it, in, plant it and forget it. Growing it indoors is far harder than growing it outdoors, too. Uh, yeah, and you get a lot better of a product when you grow it outdoors. And yeah. it's it's so a major it push right now to mm-hmm. grow to grow indoors. it. Yeah, to grow it to grow it at scale to quote unquote profit from it is an incredible undertaking. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
It's not just like every John Q public is just going to go out and grow massive amounts and then like no, that's very cost prohibitive. Yeah. So like, <laughs> say you're able to grow three plants under a bill like that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a good grower, you're going to get half a pound a plant. You're looking at a pound and a half. You know, thousand dollars pound, three grand is all you're going to make at, at a wholesale market. You know, which I mean, that's a decent chunk of change, but it's like compared to some of the big business, you know, like that's not even a drop of the bucket for them. You yeah. know, that doesn't even pay for their seed. In <laughs> other states too, though, you have a caregiver who can grow for you that knows how, you know, somebody that knows what they're doing. And then if they would happen to have any extra, they can sell it to a dispensary or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there's all kinds of models out there to look at. But yeah. you, people in Western Kansas are, there's not going to be a close dispensary. We really need to remember that those people need it too. Even so, if you put one in Dodge City, you know, there's still areas out there where you're going to drive yeah. an hour to mm-hmm. Dodge City or to, uh, I mean, it, just anywhere out there, yeah. you know, it's just, well, it's but so the problem rural. is Topeka sees anything west of Topeka as Western Kansas. Like yeah. we really don't care about that. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's Wichita, then, yeah. then, then we care. Yeah. When they were going on uh, with about, um, I was visiting with some people in Topeka and, you know, they were going on about, oh, the THC and everybody's going to be addicted and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, what about mimosa trees? And they said, what? I said, well, you can take your mimosa flowers and bark and you can get high. You just make tea. Morning glories. I was like, glories at the same way. And I'm like, are we going to start? Okay, now we can't have mimosa trees. We can't have, you know, all these different flowers. I said, I can grow digoxin plant and foxglove. I can kill somebody with it. You don't see anybody going out there and doing that. But I said, this is all just so silly. Can we just, you know, look at it more realistically? And yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to, to come here and, and visit with us. And that was, it was a really great conversation. Um, sorry we had to cancel on you last time. And then my <laughs> schedule got changed. So thank you for I'm, – I'm, I was supposed to work and get off at 3 today. And then my schedule got changed to where I go in at 3 today. So thank you so much for you know changing things up and being flexible on that. Yeah. And, and it was a really great conversation. Yeah. So Divine intervention, too. We almost hit a deer last night, and then somebody hit one early this morning right outside, right outside of our town and kind of totaled their car. <laughs> so, you know, being the first night with the time change, I'm glad that yeah, yeah, down. Yeah, he was saying that you were glad that you were going to be driving, you know, basically during the daytime and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. Very glad. So thank, thank you, you again, and, mm-hmm. and thanks to everybody that just continues to support the podcast and listen, and, and and especially this podcast in general. Like, please post this to your stories, share, comment, um, and then also like um, like Cheryl said, reach out to you know your representative and tell them that you have this expectation. Uh, a phone call is always the best. You know, they receive a lot. I would assume they see mainly electronic communications. Um, and I would assume in today's day and age of spam, spam, you know, there, some of them can be seen as that or filtered as that or whatever. So just reach out to them with a phone call even um, and just make it be known of what your expectation is. And even if you're listening to this podcast, and, and I'm not trying to tell you that you have to agree with me, even if your expectation is you don't want it, um, you know, you, you need to let your regis- legislator know what your expectation is. And just thanks for supporting us. Continue to like, follow, and share. We're on Facebook at The Higher Points Podcast. Um, our website's www.thehigherpoints.com. And you can check us out on Instagram at The Higher Points. We thank you very much for joining us. We'll catch up with you guys next time.